I, I think the poet or the filmmaker or the musician, the poet must not avert his eyes. You must not avert your eyes. This is what is coming at us. Good thing. Okay, thank you for listening to One Good Thing. Paul, where can people find us? Twitter, Facebook, great. I'm Paul Salt, and remember, the one good thing about Adam Sandler movies is you don't have to fucking watch them. You don't. Come on, man, it's going to be okay. Just this once. And then we'll, I promise, I promise, okay. we'll never, <laughs> ever have to not watch an Adam Sandler film again. Well, that sounds good to me. Okay. Hello, and welcome to One Good Thing, the podcast that tries to find the one asshole rival who isn't actually better suited to be the hero than Adam Sandler. I'm Paul Salt. I'm Paul Goodman. Today we shall be discussing the early movie career of Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler. And just him as like an entity slash spiritual brand being. Brand, spiritual brand being. It's very much the new hashtag. Um... (laughs) We've attempted to identify five of his more traditionally beloved early hits so that we can see if he has always, in fact, been a terrible, cynical, sellout piece of shit, or if that's a more recent development. Hmm. Paul, you made us do this. Why? Um, I'm still really bitter about Date Movie. <laughs> the consensus is that older Adam Sandler is pretty good, or at least, at the very least, watchable. Funny is what people say. Yeah, you know, a lot of people will go with that. Or like, oh yeah, sure, you know, Jack and Jill's lazy and offensive and boring and crass. And <laughs> You've got four adjectives there, which is more work than Adam Sandler put into anything. But a few things have changed. I've gotten older. I've seen a uh-huh. lot more Adam Sandler movies. Yes. I've seen more than I could have possibly dreamed of ever hoping <laughs> to wanting to watch. I've seen sea beams over the shoulder of Orion. <laughs> I've seen... A fat middle-aged woman shitting out burritos. <laughs> um, I've now also asked a disability advocate to watch them. <laughs> Yay! You've asked is an interesting way of phrasing that. Well, look. I have made someone who helps disabled people. <laughs> Actual ones, not just Santa and his mates. They're proper disabled, look. See, I, the thing is, I grew up believing that Adam Sandler had a severe learning disability and that he just got better. <laughs> that he was a fucking hero. <laughs> Wow, he's championing disability rights here. But watching all the later Sandlers, the thing is, I told myself that old Sandler was funny. I never went really went back to them, and if nothing else, I just told myself that if I didn't like an older Adam Sandler movie, at least I didn't, you know, I didn't dislike it. Okay. It just was. So this isn't actually a defence <laughs> as such, despite it being, a, you know, classic 10 episode. Yeah. But a, I think a much needed re-evaluation, because you should never make a stand without evidence. And if you do, <laughs> you should at least have the grace to admit when you were wrong. Okay, so as you said there, before we start, I should give my background as well. I didn't watch any of these movies growing up, um, and I had not seen an Adam Sandler film before Spanglish, which we did for this podcast. Um, Holy shit. Yeah, because I had no interest in them. I remember seeing the trailer for The Wedding Singer, and it didn't look funny to me. Actually, yes, we were made to watch uh, Little Nicky in RE class, religious education, because I guess it beats teaching kids about actual fucking religions they might encounter. But he also showed us Dogma and Four Weddings and a Funeral, and fucked if I can tell them apart now. 
I just had no interest because it was part of a genre of American comedy. I just didn't have any interest in like gross out comedies like American Pie or sex comedies like Animal House. And in particular, and something that really stained a lot of this, I powerfully did not enjoy Saturday Night Live. Um, It was on the Paramount Comedy Channel and I watched it because I liked Ghostbusters and Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd, Mm. but it it just never did it for me. Call it cultural difference whatever but it just didn't and i don't know and and sandler was part of that so i avoided his films and actually nobody even recommended them to me i didn't know anyone who was a fan of adam sandler movies until i met you (laughs) um jesus you're you talk about a liberal bubble (laughs) i grew up on the streets mate street of gross out comedy that was my growing up juice you were the first working class person i met It was horrible. I hated it. <laughs> it felt so dirty. Just showered and cried and cried and cried. I shook your hand and all the grass clippings came off. It was like, oh. <laughs> Believe it or not, I was actually born into a working class family. I know it doesn't sound like it. <laughs> this voice just came about um, <laughs> unwittingly. <laughs> Mother, hand me a Carlsberg. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. So... <sighs> My point is, all of this was very new to me, um, and it was mm. interesting to see the supposedly good stuff after the universally hated stuff. Mm. Mm. You'd always go back and then see the Sandler, I think, is, is an issue. Yeah, but I already would have had bad expectations, and I had bad expectations when, back in 2010 circa, you lent me Freddy Got Fingered, which I thought was going to be a movie like, well, you know, mm. what ended up The Waterboy being, uh, and then was tremendously happily surprised so i was yeah I, I good comedy can break through that barrier with me it can definitely yeah. make me laugh if it's funny as in all the episodes that we've done you know we're still able to laugh we're not sitting here with our arms crossed <laughs> going no i refuse because i'm a critic and i'm yeah i just have no fun in life <laughs> i reject fun no longer remember the smell of fun <laughs> why was i not permitted entry to fun the door was meant only for you, and I'm going now to close it. There's a fucking Kafka reference for you in this Ed- Adam Sandler episode, you pricks. Get that? You shouldn't. <laughs> I know I didn't. <laughs> Nor did I. All right. Um, we're not counting Threeman, just like with the Halloweens, which yep. is the comparable episode to this, I guess. The sort of unrelenting mm. horror. Um, <laughs> partly because in this instance, what would the fucking point be? Oh, David Spade is a twelvesman. Brilliant. What film was David Spade in? I really genuinely thought he was in at least one of these, so... And how how more damning can you be? I guess. Just shoot me. Huh? Huh? <laughs> Thing he did? Yeah. Guess I'm uh, the black sheep of this podcast. God, I laugh myself senseless. Was that a thing? Yeah, senseless. Brilliant. I hope he doesn't think I'm a loser f- for thinking that. <laughs> I hope he's not really upset with us. Well, it's about time that we gr- we grown ups too. <laughs> oh God, yeah, and, and it's also it would also be unfair to count Steve Buscemi and Bradley Whitford because um, they're usually the best things about these movies. So it seems ungrateful to bite the Buscemi that feeds. He's going to be a three man. No one escapes the the remit of three man. <laughs> not ever. It's not that. It's not a really punchy slogan yet, but I'm working <laughs> on it. Each one of these movies brought to me a very mystical and spiritual realisation as to the nature of Sandler. Five lessons that I shall impart to all of you as we go. That's right, guys. It's one of these episodes. (laughs) Structured to fuck. 
Just like all good fun. <laughs> um, because we are probably going to differ ever so slightly on some of them, and because no one actually listens to anything anyone ever says, I'm going to ask you to score each film on three separate measurements. Okay. The laughometer. Okay, we won't be needing that one. <sighs> Blow off the dust. <laughs> the biograph. Okay. The bile one feels at watching each one of these movies. Oh, my bile, as opposed to Sandler's bile. Your bile. Like the bile I felt. The bile bubbling up in your gullet. Okay. And then how stereotypically Sandler this actually is, based on the <laughs> blind prejudice that you have for this poor man. And then from that, I will extrapolate a score, say, out of 100. Am I ranking these out of five? Mm. Whatever you feel, I think. <laughs> Three octopuses. <laughs> yeah. Out of how many? The traditional number of octopuses. <laughs> the measurement standard of octopi. <laughs> a baker's octopus. <laughs> I, hate the, I hate the baker's octopus. He never lets us buy any bread. He just, like, gloms onto it all. <laughs> Can I have, um, half a pound of... <laughs> Sorry, mate, octopus got it. Who goes into a fucking baker and buys half a pound of anything? <laughs> you do, and that's why the octopus is there. <laughs> to ward off fuckers <laughs> like me, who come in with their weird measurements of shit. <laughs> I'll have, uh, three litres of rolls, please. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> Sick him, Octo. <laughs> Octo the octopus. Look, he's a baker, he's a busy man, he hasn't got time to name other things. <laughs> all of his octopuses. <laughs> Octopus one. All of them. <laughs> all of them. So, anyway. Why did you call them one? I was just going to call all of them that. Oh, the logical fallacy of this bacon. No wonder we count things in 13s. Paul, what's the first film we're going to talk about? First film is 1995's Billy Madison. Ah, Billy Madison. The lesson here. You ain't cool unless you pee your pants. Suntan lotion is good for me. He was born into privilege and stood to inherit a fortune. But for 27-year-old Billy Madison, there's just one problem. How could I hand over my company to someone who couldn't even get through school? That's nice. Adam Sandler's first yes. lead role after a lengthy SNL run, where he performed memorable roles such as Man, Man in a Shirt, Man Not in a Shirt, <laughs> yeah. Man with a Voice. Man. And also co-starring in Airheads. This one was directed by Tamara Davis, who directed a series of films and music videos in the 90s, culminating with Alien Ant Farms movies before going on to direct pretty much solely for TV. So this one was written by Sandler and Tim Herlihy. Now, if that name sounds familiar, uh, that's because he's featured in past OGT episodes, Grown Ups 2, Pixels, and The Ridiculous Six. Yep. Did we mention him as a three-man already? We don't usually count writers. Well, we fucking should, shouldn't we? We usually just count the egregious faces that sort of haunt our screens, but we should probably mm. also consider the scribes behind yeah. the eldritch horrors that are unveiled upon us. Mate, if we have made an exception for Hans fucking Zimmer, <laughs> Tim Hurley is now a three-man. Welcome! Oh, free to a man, free in a bush, free. Rolling Stone ran an article titled Why Billy Madison is still Adam Sandler's best movie. Um, it had a, a budget of $10 million and it made $25 million back. Mm. So, Paul, guess the IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes scores. So, the, I'm, the, the Rotten Tomatoes critic score, that is. Mm. So, we're going to face off a public versus critic. Okay. IMDb... Fuck, IMDb is going to be tough because I really can't get inside the mindset of the psychopaths who... I'm going to be voting for Billy Madison. I'm going to say a nice, reasonable 6.4 for IMDb. 
a 6.4 for IMDb. Yeah. That happens to be exactly right. Holy fuck! That's not... That's fucking crazy. That's almost as if you read the IMDb page. <laughs> I have not read the IMDb page. I swear to God. That's amazing. God. That's the best thing I ever did. If I was reading the IMDb page, why would I give you the exact fucking score? Because it's so <laughs> unlikely. It's too unlikely yeah, that, to be exactly wrong. That's exactly something someone like you would do. <laughs> All right. If I get the Rotten Tomato score, I, I am reading these. All right. Okay. Um... <laughs> So Paul has already gauged public consensus. Opinion yeah. fucking exactly. Excellent. All right, let's see if I can get inside the mindset of my fellow critics. <laughs> Shit. 39. Almost. Almost. 46%. Ooh, they liked it a bit more than I expected. You've underestimated critical love for this um, film, <laughs> but overestimated critical hate. So, yeah. yeah. Um, to... <clears throat> Give you a better uh, frame of reference. Metacritic gave it 16%, which is that overwhelming right. dislike. That yeah. is the exact same number they gave to the hateful whatever it was. The hateful Ridiculous Six. That's the one, yeah. And uh, yeah, finally, according to ScreenRant.com, this is Robert De Niro's favourite film for some reason. Okay, brilliant. That's really good to know. Thanks, Robert De Niro. What do you think about Billy Madison? Do you, when are we doing the plot? Oh, yeah. So, Paul... <laughs> Why don't you furnish the audience with a quick plot summary of Billy Madison? The son of a wealthy hotel magnate, Billy Madison is a man who is either a lazy stoner who doesn't try very hard, or a man with severe learning difficulties who is not getting the support he needs. That's the dichotomy of Sandler. Um, When his father threatens to give control of the hotel chain to an intelligent, attractive, dedicated, and charismatic Bradley Whitford, Madison suggests that he can pass all 12 grades of school in two weeks in order to prove that he deserves the company. Uh, Thanks to the powers of stupidity and massive corruption, this actually fucking happens. Uh, Sandler throws dodgeballs at some kids as hard as he can, making them cry, which he later rationalized as being an okay thing to do because the kids didn't grow up to become anyone important. Seriously, fuck this human being. Uh, He inexplicably romances Sonya Blade and then challenges um, Bradley Whitford to an academic decathlon, uh, which he doesn't win, But Whitford loses his shit and has to get shot in the ass, and so he gets disqualified. Um, Sandler throws a party, hands control of the hotels over to Mr. Heckles from Friends, and then punches another child literally as hard as he possibly could, hoping against hope that he wouldn't become someone important later. He didn't. That's fine. Because he's dead. Yeah. (laughs) Killed by Sandler, what an honour. I I will have to uh, pick you up on one point. I do think he he was one point ahead in in, in the quiz, and nobody made any extra points. Yeah, that's it. He did win. He did win. It's the important thing. And Bradley Whitford was disqualified. <laughs> so it's a double victory for Adam Sandler. And I think that's the main thing we can take from this. Yes, he must never um, be seen to lose, is the thing. And that actually, before I talk about my opinion of the film, is the lesson from this film. Is that you ain't cool unless you pee your pants comes from a scene in which and he notices that one of his friends has peed his pants. And he has the opportunity to do something good for this kid and so he splashes water onto his pants and i think oh god he's gonna say look at oh no i pissed my pants and everyone's gonna be like ha 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 and the other kid can like sneak away or something thereby saving his faith like he's gonna take the bullet basically Mm -hmm. but instead he says yeah i pissed my pants i'm 10 years old you're not cool unless you've pissed your pants and everyone's like hey this kid's pissed his pants and it's like at no point can he be degraded 
Even though he's playing a fool, no. he has to be on top at all times. And he is playing a fucking fool. Yes. I mean, I... It's aggressive. I, sh- I should have said that, um, like, pr- predictions going into this, mm. I-, I remember really not being on board with Billy Madison. I remember fucking hating Billy Madison. Was this the one that you revisited? Um, no, oh, no. Okay. Uh, no, I'll get onto that later. Okay. But Billy Madison, I remember watching the first 10 minutes of um, a few years ago again and going, <sighs> oh, no, I hate this. It's very stacked and... up in that first 10 minutes. Shampoo is better. I go on first and clean the hair. Conditioner is better. I leave the hair silky and smooth. Stop looking at me, Swan. He's either doing a stupid song in a stupid voice, yep. Im- mimicking someone in a stupid voice, or he's glaring at you like a fucking ADHD six-year-old. Yeah. And he just does not deserve any of the good that comes to him. No. When he pees him. He pees his pants, and then he's like, oh, it's cool to pee your pants. I'm going to get chocolate wasted. Yeah. Sonya Blade just looks at him to be like, yeah, I'm going to fuck him later. (laughs) He's brilliant. What a great guy. Yeah, absolutely. And also, it's really unpleasant and creepy for me, and this happens more so later on, to combine the sort of childish simpleness of the character with the sexuality of the sort of needs of the plot. So as soon as Sonya Blade gets introduced, it's just like, oh, he's going to fuck her. (laughs) That's a, mm. that's gross because so far all we've seen him do is hang around with his stoner friends, um, Norm fucking McDonald, you know, and, and and so on, just making crap jokes and chasing an imaginary penguin around whilst crossing his eyes and gurning. And it's like, mm. I can't foresee at this stage, five minutes in, the pleasant moment that's going to get me on board with this fucking romance. And there isn't one. It just, he never calms the fuck down. There is no arc for this character. Yeah. Um, the, only, the only things that change are other people's opinions towards him. But the thing is, I fucking like Bradley Whitford. I, I love Bradley win. Whitford. Uh, in this, yeah, his character is really great. He's... Yeah. He's ne- it's never revealed to us the idea that, oh, he doesn't know how to have fun and therefore he's not going to be a good head of a hotel guy. No, he's fucking worked hard and he's, <laughs> he's good and qualified yeah. for the role and the dad isn't idiot for doing anything otherwise yeah. bradley whitford oh what an arsehole for thinking that this was still a meritocracy <laughs> a lot of sandler is he you know he's the underdog and he's uneducated he's a regular joe and yeah. he's just he's just fighting the good fight against the bloody suits the bloody privileged people who worked really hard their entire lives <laughs> to get to get where they were yeah and you've got to have if you're going to be an underdog you have to earn it you have to realize that you can't just go around pretending to fall into a lady so you can grab her breasts yeah yeah oh god yeah i forgot about that bit jesus christ oh it's only okay because she's used to it for this kind of treatment which is fucked up that's what she says she's like it's okay it's not the first time someone's tried to do that that's not that doesn't make it okay (laughs) definitely not sonya adam sandler you're an an apologist for misogyny sonya blade (laughs) you're to blame here Ultimately, this mm. is very early on showing what the humor of um, Herlihy and Sandler is, because they mostly wrote the scripts to the five films that we're going to discuss. In fact, I think exclusively. Yeah. Maybe the director gets involved every now and then and has a credit as well, but I think Herlihy is credited on all five. So, and Sandler. So, we're getting used to the comedy here, and we'll get more into it in future ones where it becomes more obvious. It's pretty lazy and crass mm. and um, fucking infuriating for most of it, but... Um, you can you can see like the beginnings of something, yeah. and you could be f- forgiven at the time for thinking, well, okay, let's see, let's see where this is going, let's see what they can do, you know, with a bit more practice and a, a bit more time to stretch yeah. their legs. Nothing much more to say about that. Um, quick score on the the laughometer, Paul. All right, I, I am going to score these out of five. Let's give it a um, 
Let's give it a three, because it had a rawness to it that occasionally did get me. Hold on, what is five here? Is five, like, airplane, or is five, like, the best that Adam Sandler can be? Like, objective... Not just in the Adam, not just in the Oh, Adam, okay. So five is like relative. airplane. Okay, yes. I'd like to revise to yeah. um, 0.7. Okay, cool. Well, I can, I, I can, I can go down to 1.5 then, I think. <laughs> Biolometer. How's that all bubbling up in you? Yeah, I was pretty irritated by this one because of how upfront and obnoxious the performance was. Like, yeah. stupid voice immediately in your face. I've got to put it in the context of the ones that are coming up. I'm going to say four. Okay, I'm going to go for 18 Biles, I think, in this one. <laughs> Excellent. At- and then uh, just stereotypically Sandler, based based on the blind prejudice that I said. This was exactly what I thought it was going to be. So I'm going to give it yeah. all five stars, because this is exactly what I feared. Five Sandlers for me as well, I think. <laughs> good good stuff. So I think that's about, uh, about nine out of ten for both of us overall. Excellent. Fantastic. So what a surprise result. Pretty positive. Okay, what's our second okay. feature? Okay, next up is Happy Gilmore. The second lesson of Sandler. Do you know what the pathetic thing is? You have been doing this your whole life. Meet Happy Gilmore. He was a hockey player who was skating on thin ice. But when his grandma needed his help... Coming out in 1996, just one year after Billy Madison. (laughs) I know, how could they do it? (laughs) Such a turnaround. I know. It stars all the regular Sandler players... uh, Dante, Lufferin, Covert, but also OGT favourite Christopher McDonald and Judy Bowen of Modern Family fame as the love interest. Oh no, that's who that is! Yeah! Oh! Oh, it's Paul Salt's week. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad she ends up with Phil. She'll, he'll help him get, yeah. get help. He'll help her get over the fucking sandliness of it all. He'll help her with the night terrors. <laughs> um... So, written once again by Sandler and Herlihy, directed this time by directing Big Cheese, Dennis Duggan. Sound familiar? That's because he directed Pieces of Shit, Grown Ups 1 and 2, and Jack and Jill. What wow, a man! Say. Its budget was $12 million, and it made $41.2 million back. Okay, then, getting back onto those IMDb and Rotten Tomato scores, what do you think? How are you with the public? How are you with the critics? Public? 6.1. Idiot. Fuck. No. 7. Fuck off! No? Public, 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 pretty positive on Happy Gilmore. You know what? I should have known because I did know that Happy Gilmore was one of the more financially successful ones. So I figure that yeah. would have led to some sort of enduring mm-hmm. nostalgia idiocy. Nostalgia see. Oh, boo. <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes, 36. You're going to be disappointed. Is it 48? Uh, you're still going to be disappointed. 58. <laughs> Even more disappointed. Fuck you! 63? Uh, less disappointed. 60% oh. on Rotten Tomatoes. Bollocks. Yeah. Afraid, afraid so. Um, so you underestimated public love and critical love. You're out of touch, salt. <laughs> Adam Sandler plays Happy. Not the first and not the last name ending in a Y. That's good insight. Happy is a hockey player failure. He's a, he's a poor man. He's an underdog. And his dear old gran, who he loves, is getting a house taken away by the bank or something, probably. So she has to go into a nursing home and... Adam uh, Happy Gilmore finds out that he is very, very good at golf, or specifically driving in golf. Carl Weathers turns up and says, hey, I can make you a good golfman. Um, why don't we enter a competition? You'll win a lot of money. You can pay off your grand's thing. Um, the only problem is Christopher McDonald is very good at golf, and you've got to, and he's an elitist, and you've got to beat him. <laughs> and he smells, probably. They have a bit of back and forth. Christopher McDonald tries to sabotage Happy Gilmore quite a lot because he is very violent and aggressive. Comes to a point, Christopher McDonald tries to kill or injure Happy Gilmore, and um, 
he then wins mm. basically without trying all that hard. He learns to control his anger. He gets to be with Judy Bowen. Christopher McDonald doesn't get his winner's jacket. So the one about mm. this I feel is really revealing about Sandler, which is natural ability and dumb luck beats out hard work and dedication. As with the previous film, the mm. enemy absolutely deserves to win. Just because he's a dick doesn't mean that he doesn't deserve what he has. He's He has golfed his entire yeah. life. And Sandler just comes in, mm-hmm. but it's like he's too cool to work hard is an aspect of the character mm-hmm. here. Because here he's not doing his stupid, annoying Sandler voice. He's just doing his own stupid, annoying voice. And he's, yes. he's introducing... The Adam Sandler that we're more familiar with from things like Grown Ups 2, where he is more of the straight man, um, but still just a lunatic. Demonstrably better than Billy Madison, for yes. one thing, should have to yes. say. Another thing is, despite the fact that I didn't like his character and I found it pretty... Ah, mm. uh, just made me feel really bad that I knew that Julie Bowen was going to be with him come the end of the movie, despite the fact that he's he's playing it. He's another nincompoop. Yeah, you can always tell, can't you, when the love interest shows up, and it's it's never not sad. No, it's never not sad. <laughs> uh, well, we'll get onto that. It's never, it's, but it's, okay. it's 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 definitely <laughs> it's usually sad. Yeah, but there are more laughs in this one. I, I definitely enjoyed this more than <sighs> Billy Madison. Um, and I think the the message wasn't quite as as grating, even though I felt. I mean, I did feel bad. I do feel like it's going in the right direction. Having said that, this is also pretty remarkable or notable for being the first film that really wades into product placement. And I like to think that has something to do with Dennis Duggan as well as Adam Sandler. He, he literally appears in a Subway advert within the film in order to... Oh my God, that was amazing. Let me just sit here and enjoy the one thing that makes me a little bit happy. This fresh, delicious, tasty, meaty, turkey-filled cold cut combo i eat three every day to help keep me strong subway sandwiches will drive away your hunger the fucking laziness is is spectacular because and that's not the the only time we're gonna see an actual fucking just advert inside of the plot of a movie it's yeah crazy god i just can i just stop talking about my life problems to tell you what a delicious crisp crispy delight this subway melt is (laughs) uh sure happy great it just it just really is a taste sensation in every bite. It's like a party where no <laughs> where nobody came into my drink. <laughs> I'll have a pint of baguettes, please. Oh fuck off. I've heard about you. <laughs> you monster. It's you and that French guy who eats planes, you know, better than each other. <laughs> but at least planes don't need like an advertising campaign. Plain au chocolat? Hey, have you tried planes? Plain au chocolat's pretty good. Thanks. I'm sorry I spoke over it. <laughs> um, it's ruined, but- forget it. Let's move on. It's so lazy. And I think this this is my main issue with Adam Sandler movies is is not that they're crass or not that they're mean or anything like that. It's just mm. they're so fucking lazy. Yes. Yeah, it's lame. And and the thing is the comedy of this one is all about him getting angry, and some people are inherently funny when they get angry. Um for example, mm. anyone Scottish. <laughs> Sandler, it always feels kind of mean and, and somewhat immature when he gets mm. angry I think, like it's, he never has a good like angry scream well i think the issue is that it's it's it, it happens too often it, it's yeah but remember in spanglish we mentioned that in the car he's always just it feels like he's holding back son of a bitch ball why didn't you just go home that's your home are you too good for your home answer me Suck my white ass ball! So I think it did get some things right, and I and I do think it was um pretty remarkable that they put in him being beaten up by Bob Barker. 
Yeah, that was a little bit of defeat. There was one moment there. Yeah, Yeah. just one moment of defeat just to try and like, hey, let's try something new to get people on the side of Adam. (laughs) How about if he doesn't win 100% of the time? Don't worry, guys. He's going to win. How about he isn't the one viciously beating people for once, literally once? Maybe people will like him better. He still manages to get the girl despite not deserving it. He he wins the day without really deserving it. Yeah. Um, Laughometer pool. Laughs. Laughs, it's still pretty low for me. I really didn't find it funny when he was yelling, but I did quite like Christopher McDonald, so I'll give it... I think, What did I give it? 0.7 last time? Let's yeah. let's move that on up to a 8 point... Uh, a not, An 8? A 0.8, everyone. Heard it here first. <laughs> 0.85. Wow, okay. I'm going to go with 2. Okay. Laughed a lot more. Bile. Less hateful because he, was, he wasn't playing some sort of hideous caricature. Um... There were fewer jokes at other people's expense. All right, let's go two on this one. It's pretty low bile. For bile, I'm going to say, yeah, two. How Sandler is this? It's pretty Sandler. It's quite Sandler. It, all right, how Sandler is it? Mm. It's one step below. It, it's 4.5 Sandler. All right, I'm, I'm going to say three Sandlers for this. Okay. Yeah. 88% there. Brilliant. Okay. Positive all round. It's going well, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Not as shit. Yeah. Great. Great. Okay, Paul, what's for, What's the third feature? It's the wedding singer. Ah, the wedding singer. You're much better than him. He's ridiculous. Robbie Hart was the most popular wedding singer around until he got stood up at his own wedding. I woke up this morning and I realized I'm about to marry a wedding singer? Once again, things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday! 1998 release, directed by Frank Caracci, who also did The Waterboy and Ridiculous Six. Uh, the script was brilliant. The script was doctored by Carrie Fisher and Judd Apatow, uncredited. Uh, I know. Uh, a Broadway musical <laughs> adaptation of this movie opened in uh, 2006, ran for 285 performances and was nominated for the 2006 Tony Awards for the Best Musical. Actor, Stephen Lynch, book and score. It had a budget of $18 million and it grossed $123 million <laughs> worldwide. Oh, sorry. I just searched my brain for Stephen Lynch and I arrived. I think his name is Stephen Lang, the fucking gnarled army guy from Avatar. Book and score. Yes. Okay. Um, so quickly, before you go into the plot, why don't you tell us the IMDb score and Rotten Tomato score? Um, taking into account okay. that this is widely seen as Adam Sandler's best film. Yes, people seem to fucking like this one. So IMDb 7.8. 6.8. Okay, that's you cretin, you you credulous <laughs> cretin. <laughs> I like the fact I got shit for completely one hundred percent accurately guessing the first one, and I've had nothing but shit for being off on every subsequent one. <laughs> Different kinds of shit. <laughs> Smellier shit, in my opinion. I prefer to be called a cheat, but one who's accurate. Ron Tomatoes, I'm going to say better than average, but not much. In the sixties, yeah, six sixty, sixty-seven. Oh, okay. Not, not bad. Almost there. Yeah. You twat. All right. Tell us, <laughs> tell us about this plot of the wedding singer. <laughs> Sandler is a wedding singer and planner. Oh. Uh, he's the best wedding singer in town. God, he's actually a planner. He is a planner as well. You see, he's all of these things. He's God. Matthew McConaughey. He's J-Law and J-Lo. Every kind of J. He's Jello. It's all good. But after he gets left at the altar by his own fiance, don't worry, she'll be back later. So it's not like a, a loser or anything. Uh, he doesn't want to wedding sing anymore. He doesn't want a wedding sang. In spite of being the best. Did I mention he's the best? He is the best. He gets him. Inv- but it's him or John Lovitz. Oh, fuck me. What a, what a world. <laughs> <laughs> he gets involved planning his friend Drew Barrymore's wedding to, to an asshole. 
Uh, he falls in love with her, not the asshole. There are some misunderstandings, and then ultimately they find themselves on the same plane as each other. He sings her a love song, she agrees to marry him, and the asshole gets eaten by Billy Idol. And that's it. The mole of... And he digests in <laughs> Billy Idol's intestines for a thousand years. Yeah. <laughs> He's very much the Sarlacc of the British punk scene. So that moral, you're better than him. He's ridiculous. The thing I learned mm. about Sandler in this one, and we'll get on to the sort of relative quality shortly. The only obstacle that he will have, Sandler is that he considers the thing he's really naturally good at to be beneath him. So in this wedding singing, you know, it's not it's no rock singing or anything else or songwriting. And in the previous one, golfing. He's extraordinarily good at these things, the best because otherwise John Lovitz is there. And the only <laughs> You've got to, you've got to be the best if John Lovitz is there. <laughs> he's you owe it to everybody. Snapping at your heels. The only obstacle that it's kind of cool for him to have because he can't be bested by anyone. God no, that would be terrible. The only obstacle is either the fact that he's not rich. Or it's the fact that he's just not cool enough to try hard. That was the main thing for me with him. But he does enjoy wedding singing. He does, and yet he riles against it. Sort of various points that, you know, when he sees um, John Lovett saying, is that what I look like? And, um, you know, pointing out that he's worried about what other people think. And, you know, he, he has that big insecurity about not making enough money to be good enough for Drew Barrymore. Yeah. Which could come from something external when, you know, he, he, he is in love with Drew Barrymore's character and he feels he's not good be, enough for her. Yeah, feels he's not good enough for her. And maybe he hadn't. Because con- of his economic basis. I don't see that as necessarily thinking that he's above wedding singing. Because mm. until that there's... moment, he seemed like he was OK with it. And it was only after his after his fiance jilted him. If, if you ever jilt me, <laughs> I'm going to fucking shit you. <laughs> We're going to shit all over podcasting. You can't have a one-man podcast. They don't exist. They're, <laughs> they're illegal in Australia. They think, they think you're gay. But <laughs> Clear sign. The, I, I, I would say that there is a lot that is off about this film. I don't think that the the like, the like thoughts on love in this film are that on point. It, no, I... Pretty much I across trouble... the board. Yeah. I, I like Drew Barrymore in the role, but yeah. I did have trouble buying into the romance of theirs. Okay. They weren't, they, there are only a handful of scenes of them sort of honestly talking and connecting with yeah. each other. And most of the time it's just, God, my fiance was a twat. That really hurt <laughs> me. I love my guy, honest. And then uncertain expression. And that's that's more or less it. Yeah. but And, and yet people, the world wide web over have said, you know, they, they really believe this this relationship, the Barrymore Sandler relationship. And they've even been and in if, you know, more films together since. I guess, well, yes, including that, Blended, success. one of the most critically derided films ever made. It's just... That's not Wedding Singer's fault. <laughs> <laughs> it's the chemistry's fault. The point is the chemistry isn't so great that it's going to save things that aren't, don't have their own qualities. And I just didn't necessarily buy into those qualities here. You know what? This is one of this is one of the Adam Sandler films that we've picked where I I wasn't sad about the relationship mm. when, okay. when 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 they I wasn't met. Sad. I thought they, okay, well that's that's something to <laughs> that is something. I wasn't. You depressed. heard it, everyone. You can't you can't unhear that. Um, <laughs> I do I do think it was believable. I think they had chemistry. It conforms to the narrative of the previous ones, which is that there is a thing Sandler wants, um, and there is an asshole in between him. And it. And I will say yes. that in this case, the arsehole is less deserving of having the thing that he wants than he is for once. Yes, he's a straight up douchebag. He is a straight up douchebag. The problem is the thing that he wants in this one is just the girl. And she is greatly lacking in any sort of agency to decide who she actually wants to be with. She just wants to be married by any means mm. necessary, which 
is a symptom of having been written by a man, and especially a man like Tim Herlihy, um, but is also kind of an issue of the times, because mm-hmm. even though romantic comedies were written, you know, marketed towards women in the 90s, um, it's a common issue that the women mm. would sort of just be with whichever man made the biggest gesture. Yeah, and I do think that the film deserves, I mean, it deserves a lot of, lot of the praise for Sandler's performance, because it's a lot more downbeat and understated at times. He, do, yeah. he does have a few anger explosions, but they're fewer and further between. And it was it was something it was something like this that made me think like I could see why he was in Punch Drunk Love, for example, which is a real film directed by a real director, <laughs> um, as opposed I, to one of these uh, children's plays. Yeah, and, and I and I think that he's a lot better. He's a lot better when his comedy is is like that when he's playing a normal person. Yeah, it is also just a more believable character, and the comedy seemed to come from more like from realer situations, and he seemed to have re- like realer relationships with his friends, and you know, if, if laughing at their expense, it just felt like it felt like ribbing more than anything. I don't know. There's moments like right at the top, you've got Steve Buscemi giving his really awkward best man speech, and it's all about how pathetic he is, and the audience is encouraged to just laugh at how tragic his situation is. And I just, mm. I, I still feel uncomfortable about quite a okay. bit of the comedy of this because it still feels like it's as a, it's at the expense of people who aren't Sandler okay. and Barrymore. And then there is, of course, the scene which everyone will point out as being the exception and not the rule as far as this one goes, but it still demonstrates the limitation of Hurley and Sandler's humour, which is the scene where, just because he happens to be upset, he takes it upon himself to really nastily insult um, a table full of people at this wedding and a fat guy. That me, fatty, sideburns lady, and the mutants over at table nine. Yeah, like, that's that's the exception for me. Yeah, exactly, and that's the thing, is everyone says, oh, it's... It's the exception of this and you could just cut it out, but they didn't cut it out. It's in there and it demonstrates what they find funny. And for me, there's little ghosts of it throughout the whole thing. Mm. Maybe not something as upfront, but that's the humor. Yeah, it's it's still Sandler. <laughs> it is it still is. Sandler. I think it's time to move we on. We should move on. I don't want yes. to be here all fucking day. Um, <laughs> laughs? How are the laughs doing for you? Not much. I, I think okay. really the laughs were on par with previous ones. It's just that maybe I felt this one a bit more. So let's say okay. 1.0. Okay, brilliant. Higher so far. I can't remember what I said for Happy Gilmore. I hope I said two because I'm gonna say I'm gonna say three for Wedding Singer. Cool. I quite like it. The bile. Lowest yet. Yeah. Still pretty unpleasant here and there, but more or less subdued. So I'm gonna say two. Cool. 0.5 for me, baby. <laughs> Um, how how Sandler is this? I mean, it does what it says on the tin. <laughs> really, it's called the Wedding Singer, and it's an Adam Sandler movie. <laughs> yep. There's, it's surprising in as much as it's not as offensive as I'd have expected. So let's cool. Let's go two. Yeah, nice one. I'm gonna go for one. Oh, it's only twenty percent from both of us. Fucking oh, hell. weird. Shit. That came out Shit bad. Thing. Yeah, totally. Oh. <laughs> it's weird. I, I mean, I'm putting them all through the the, the laugh bile and Sandler <laughs> a fondron. Yeah, film number four, the penultimate film. Thank God. Uh, the water boy. There's a lot of pain and shame in those eyes. And that's what I call high quality cool. Bobby Boucher was a lonely boy. Not like you could use a shower, Dicky. Constantly tormented by everyone till one day they pushed him too far. Stop making fun of me. <laughs> So the Waterboy follows a simple man called Bobby Boucher, who is a Louisianan resident. Um, <laughs> mother is Kathy Bates. Yeah, bit a bit of an overbearing um, 
tough loving sort of individual bit um, of a kathy bates type bit of a kathy bates type <laughs> um if you could believe such a thing he is the water boy to a college football team and uh, he's picked on relentlessly by all the douchebag jocks in this team and then fired for being picked on. And then he decides to look for another waterboy job and comes across um, hapless Henry Winkler, as he's known <laughs> yeah. in the streets, um, who runs a bit a bit of a fuck-up football team. It turns out that he's a very good tackle boy. Yeah. And Henry Winkler says, finally, I've got a good football player. And then he manipulates his insecurities and anger in order to get him to tackle people real good yeah. um, for a number of games long enough to actually get them to the final uh, it turns out that henry winkler falsified his documents uh from high school yeah so that he couldn't play but then he can play because he t- did another test he faced bradley whitford from grade <laughs> one to twelve yeah. in a big old exam competition he gets shot in the ass then he gets shot in the ass he wins the big game for everybody <laughs> and he gets the girl and his mother um, becomes less overbearing. His girl this time is the girlfriend from American History X. So it gradually yes, gets worse. Surprising her role. <laughs> <laughs> it gradually gets worse for everyone. So Sonya Blade ends up, well, actually does end up with Johnny Cage. <laughs> Awkward. Whoops. Then Modern Family, do, now American History yeah, X. But I do, this is another relationship that I don't feel bad about. Uh, I didn't feel great because she is the she is the strong one in in this relationship. Yes. She, it doesn't start with her hating him. Yeah, she is with him from the very start, and she's a, she's a pretty strong female character. She doesn't need any encouragement to take take a knife to somebody's throat, and uh, I like that in a woman. Yeah, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I like her as a character. I think she frightens me a bit. The actress, um, I wrote her down. Yes, Farouza Bulk. Yes, she she scares me a little, and always has done. She frightens everyone. It might be the craft. I think. It might be her early appearance in the craft that did it. Yeah, it's um, not helped by American History X. It's not, no, because she did slip into that role very neatly as the girlfriend of a Nazi head stomper. Um, <laughs> it's the part you were born yes. to play. I don't know how to feel about that. Uh, <laughs> there's money in it. Say thank you. Okay. I hope the director's nice. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Anyway. Um... Yeah, so the, the the thing I had against the relationship is I just couldn't necessarily see what it is that's in it for her. And I always get a bit worried about relationships that have been written by men, especially when one of the stars is one of the writers. And it's just mm. like, from the fantasy perspective, the guys get to imagine that they're Adam Sandler here and they get <laughs> the girlfriend from American History X. <laughs> for the ladies. None of that is realistic. <laughs> For the ladies. No one wants it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I, I just want someone to accept my head stomping, okay? Um, <laughs> the ladies, like, they get to end up with Bobby Boucher. Yeah, and I guess it's extremes. They are basically diametrically opposed. Yes. In almost every way, except that she happens to like him. Yeah, which is fine. And... It's, that's, you know, opposites attract. We've seen that in fiction before. Yeah. I just, I just yeah. didn't really get what was in it for her. For, about him, how he was different from all the other guys. Well, he is different from all the other guys. <laughs> that's for sure. That's yeah. Okay, that's fair enough. <laughs> um, and I, and I will also say that I really like Kathy Bates in this. Yeah, sure. Um, and she was probably one of the funnier things in the film for me. There were a couple of moments that she had that did really make me laugh. Ah, <sighs> um, and you know, I liked I liked Henry Winkler. Yep, I like him I, too. I did almost immediately, think, like early on. He yeah. sort of smiles, and it's just like, oh, you're great. Yeah, it was just, it's just like, oh, I feel better about this, <laughs> and I think that's one one of the reasons why one of the reasons I feel better, I feel better about it, is because he has all these sympathetic characters. It's not just, it's hmm. not just, ev- everyone is a dick and everyone is horrible. 
Yeah. Th- that's the lesson I learned from this one. This was my epiphany f- number four. Sandler wants to play the underdog, the poor guy, the slow guy, the guy that everybody picks on, you know, and he wants to have sympathy with the character, mm. but he does also definitely want the audience to laugh at him too, to mm. laugh at those gags. Otherwise, they wouldn't just take up so much space and time in this supposed comedy movie. Yeah. He doesn't try to win the audience over necessarily he wants them to be in on the joke as to how dumb or ugly the character is very much like bucky larson i found mm. because of the amount of time that was spent laughing at his buck teeth and such but there are a lot more christina ritchie scattered around the place in this one and it's also the fact that the people who are insulting him like luffran who by the way doesn't have a cross eye he doesn't ah. suffer from boss-eyedness it's oh, just wait, that no, one yes, he does. it's just this one when he's at the party, when he's at the party later on and he brings the yeah. thing and he says thanks, he definitely has a cross eye at that stage. No, he, in, in this film, sorry, he does. But in ah. li, in, uh, in a future film, he doesn't. Oh my but God. We, we, would, we were discussing this in, a, in yes. another film because we weren't sure. Um, <laughs> my God. And, but, but I know, guys, it's all coming together, guys. It's worth it. <laughs> Stick with us. Lufren, um, Dante, the big show, everyone who's laughing at him, they're all painted as fucking idiots, hicks or assholes. Yeah. There's no... They're not as articulately awful in this as in Bucky Larson, I think. Mm. I was worried that you would sort of justify the rough treatment of, that the Waterboy receives by saying that he is portrayed sympathetically and that the bullies are ultimately proven wrong in the end, therefore it's okay for the movie to mm. do it. And this would therefore sort of invalidate mm. my very real discomfort about these scenes. I notice sometimes when you are wrestling or, or opening up a, a can of whoop ass, as you like to say, you seem to be sweating quite profusely. I was wondering if... Perhaps you might need the services of an experienced water boy. <laughs> I guarantee that guy's still a virgin. <laughs> and having them in a comedy movie. But that's why this revelation was so important yeah. to me. I, because I really definitely think the film urges us to find these f- scenes funny, regardless of whether or not they're an asshole, because everybody's an asshole in these movies. Sandler and Hurley, he want to have their sympathetic character, but also make fun of him. And they do think it's funny because otherwise he wouldn't be introduced in a sort of objectively absurd manner where he comes on with his little smile and it lingers for a really long time on him doing this smile, which he doesn't do that much throughout. But the camera lingers, and it's very much just so the audience can stop laughing at his just just his face before anyone has said anything to him. Just his face and his voice, and I find that really spiteful. And I think this hypocrisy that I've, I've written a line in my notes here. Compare to Derek, if you absolutely have to. I'm gonna break. I'm gonna break that out. In Ricky Gervais's Derek, he plays a disabled yeah. person, and it's not terribly PC. But at no point are we encouraged hmm. to just laugh at Derek because of who he is at any stage in that, and that's something that it has in its favour. This, I really do feel like they found the character they had made funny because of his slowness, and, you know, maybe he's good-natured because he has to be the hero of a movie, but I still feel like we're being encouraged to laugh here. I'm towing a fine line because I know it's, it's very low-hanging fruit. If it's horrible, it was out of carelessness rather than, than straight-up spite. I just see it as a really uncomfortable relationship that this movie has with its main character. Fair enough. Let's go from... Abusing a disabled person. Straight up talking about laughs. Why don't you rate the laughs in this film, Paul? Point zero five. No, um, let's say point eight. Okay, cool. Um, I'm gonna go with three again. 
Ooh. I laughed. I didn't laugh. It was about the same as the wedding singer. Okay. Humor moments, man. Um, and also speaking of humor moments, let's just fully segue from everything I say into bile. Yeah. Well, uh, as discussed, it was pretty bad for me. I really did feel it was a bit gross. So mm. I've lost all track of what I've given other films. So yeah, fuck it. Fuck it. Oh, it's like Goodreads. Five. Let's give it the full... Both barrels. Ooh. Fuck you, Adam Sandler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bile gun. Patent pending. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with... <laughs> we don't want to patent this. 2.5, I think. How Sandler was this film, Paul? Oh, fuck. I forgot there's more of this. <laughs> I keep, like, breathing in to say the first sentence of the next fucking movie, and it's like, <laughs> no, nope, another thing. Yeah, it's pretty Sandler. All five Sandlers. This cool. is exactly what I expect a Sandler movie to be. Yeah, I'm going to say four Sandlers. Take off a point because of uh, the, the okay. lack of bile. <laughs> What's the final movie that we decided to watch, Paul? The final one, mercifully, <laughs> is Little Nicky. That petit Nicky. Le, <laughs> le grand... Oh. The teaching for this one? Put it in your mouth and let the meat slide down your throat hole. Pretty apt and gross. Meet Nicky. Hello, friend. It's his first day in New York City. But for Nikki, this is a picnic compared to where he's from. Hell. Starring Reese Ephens, Patricia Arquette, Tommy Lister, Reese Witherspoon, Rodney Dangerfield, Dana Carvey, John Lovitz, Quentin Tarantino, and Harvey Keitel. Brilliant. Oh, is Adam Sandler not in this one? Thank God. <laughs> oh. oh, brilliant. Well, we can probably get on with, get on with this then. So, um, going going on the rising success of uh, all past Adam Sandler movies, uh, this had a budget Inevitable. of eighty five. This had a budget of eighty five million dollars and grossed only thirty nine point five million dollars. I wonder why. So, going on with that, why don't we go into the IMDb and the Rotten Tomato score? Paul? I bet IMDb's fucking unrealistically high. Seven point eight. Eighteen point three. <laughs> no, Fuck everything. It's. You'll be glad to know that you are wrong. Uh, 5.9. So even, well, still wrong. 4.9. Oh, less wrong. I'm pretty sure I'm... <laughs> I hate this. 5.2. Oh, 5.3. Fuck. Almost a twat. Jesus. Yeah, sorry. You fucked it up again. God, but this is such a good podcasting is the thing. Ron Tomatoes, like 83. Think, think like a critic. <laughs> think like a critic who has no fun. Uh, Four. Oh, almost 22. Oh, okay, that's not bad. Yeah, uh, yeah, get in there. I'm feeling more diplomatic towards your, your constant mistakes in this field, but <laughs> fucking nailed that first one though. I know. Oh, mate, we'll always have the first one. We'll always always have 6.4. I'll never forget that fucking number. The fact that the Hovis ad is actually the second movement of the Ninth Symphony of um, Dvorak. Nope, that's gone. 6.4 is what uh, Billy Madison. <laughs> I'm scratching it into my face right now, listeners. <laughs> Speaking of which. Yeah, why why don't you just upend the viscous plot onto our dear listeners? Yep, let's see what f- one last let's time. see what plops out. Okay, as with most Sandler movies, it actually starts with a fucking horror scene in which a creepy pervert stalks a poor woman and her son, all three of whom are played by Lynch regular Laura Haring. Uh, he makes an obscene phone call to the son and then falls out of a tree and goes to hell. That's right, hell is real. Isn't Sandler Jewish? Never mind, hell, where the devil is played by Harvey Keitel. Um, and he's retiring after 10,000 years. Have there been people for going to hell for that long? Yup, you don't want to know what the fucking cavemen were up to. Um, he's passing the mantle onto one of his three sons, Reese Ifans, uh, Tom Lister Jr., and worst of all, Adam Sandler. <laughs> Only he bloody well decides not to retire, so his two slightly less awful sons go to Earth to create a new hell there. 
causing the dad to decompose or some shit. Uh, Sandler is sent to Earth to eat delicious Popeye chicken. It's practically food. Popeye's chicken is fucking awesome. Drink Coca-Cola, go to Kmart, drink Miller's beer, visit the Globetrotters, and wear Adidas shoes. Also, after he does all of those things, he sends his brother back to hell, gets off with Patricia Arquette. Arquette. Uh, everyone makes fun of an effeminate man and are revolted by a crossdresser. A talking dog fucks a rat, and the movie bombed at the box office for some reason. Yeah, can't imagine why. Who knows? Huh. Is there no hell in the Jewish faith? Um, it's complicated. Um, nevertheless, oh, okay. it is not a place of torment if it does exist, but more a place of sort of cleansing before you pass on to the back to the original Garden of Eden. Ah, cool. Yeah. Religious corner. That's the end <laughs> of that segment. That's what I learned in <laughs> RE in between fucking Kevin Smith movies. <laughs> wow. We didn't. We just had, uh, we just had lessons on, oh, it's Gandhi this week, everyone. <laughs> He's oh. good. All right. He was Ben Kingsley. Yeah, and then we did Martin Luther King at Christmas. That was about it. He was David O.A. Leo. You don't know things. It, no, Idris Elba, mate. He was also... Wait, who did you say? Martin Luther, Martin Luther King, right? Yeah. That was a Leo. Yeah, no, I was just joking. Oh, okay. Idris Elba because oh, he was Nelson sake. Mandela. You have uh, to wear your joking hat. <laughs> Put it on now. I lost it. A bird took it. <laughs> Fuck. Now that bird is going to be incredibly <laughs> incredulous amongst his friends. Oh, little so, Nicky. I used to love this as a kid. I yeah? thought it was great and inventive. Yeah. All right. Um, oh, was this the I one that it. you revisited? No, I actually revisited The Wedding Singer. Oh, right. Okay. And went, oh, it's not as good and perfect as I thought. <laughs> yeah, uh, I thought this was great. Um, <laughs> I watched it many a time. Mm. I thought Reese Ephraim's was great. I loved um, John John Lovett's character right. for some reason. <laughs> oh, Adam Sandler was fine. <laughs> You know, <laughs> what else can I? What else can I fucking say? There's, there's, there's nothing else to it really. I guess I thought that the talking dog was funny. I don't know. It was a thing in the '90s, right? Because of fucking Men in Black and this. That's two oh, examples. Yeah, to... <laughs> Coming back to it, I mean, what can I, what can I take from it? I don't know. I, I genuinely thought Quentin Tarantino was funny. Hellfire is burning me alive. The beast is alive. He's among us. Clear the street. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he was really funny. <laughs> I still found it pretty um, I, I, uncomfortable. There is just the, the absurdity of it, I think, was, was good. And I think okay. there are a couple of, uh, like, Mel Brooks beats in okay. it. There are, there are still a few jokes that I liked. I really appreciated the 90s, uh, the, the early noughties metal soundtrack. Yes, I enjoyed that. that. Great. That, that really took me back. <laughs> um, but, I mean, it's, it's weak. It's a fucking weak film. And it's just Popeye's chicken all the way through. Yeah, it really is. It's quite obscene. I've I've actually just noticed, sorry, that none of the good things I wrote down for this one are jokes. Um, and actually, I don't think I actually laughed out loud once. So, oh, really? Yeah, this might actually Great. be the weakest one for comedy for me. Um, yeah. yeah, as for the product placement, this was what my message, this is what my lesson of this one was, which was, this was the first one that felt like the Sandler that we know and loathe. This was mm. Jack and Jill Sandler. It was a big production, lots of extras, lots of product of people around, mm. you know. It, it's the sort of big budget Sandler that he later so, kind of does with um, the end of his studio phase that yeah. was kind of killed off by pixels. And it, the, the thing I learned is that Sandler identified a niche and then went about cynically and lazily milking it for all it was worth. Mm. Um and he hit his breaking point twice uh, with this, which bombed, and then Pixels, which also bombed, and that seemed to sort of trap him in Netflix forever. So, I guess what I learned from this one is just that this is the this is the Sandler product. This is yeah. the one that was going out to cinemas, and I feel like it was marketed for kids as well, in spite of all of the 
really gross adult humor jokes and a really nasty rapey opening sequence, which genuinely mm. upset me. It was kind of like a scene out of fucking Zodiac. <laughs> who is this? This is a big bird who wants to see the rest of mommy. <laughs> it's just yeah. Ugh. Yeah, he's really honed his product. He's refined it into this yeah. defanged milk yeah. toast, vaguely crude. That's just because they can't write different humor. That this is their humor. Yeah. If they didn't put crude jokes in about you know transsexuals being kind of gross, then they'd have nothing else. They yeah. they they don't have like wordplay or anything. Comedy, even Sandler manages to surprise us every once in a while and do something that's funny. And I think mm. I found that in the films that we see we saw prior to this. Yeah. But in this, there's pretty much nothing. Nothing from nothing from Sandler anyway. Mm. There's not really anything more to talk about with this one. It's just refined, homogenous yeah. Sandler. I actually I didn't time this well, so I watched all of these movies in the order we've discussed them in the course of the week. Mm. And I think maybe by the time I got to today, I was just tired. Coming at yeah. the end of things like fucking Billy Madison, it's just, it's more of the same on a bigger scale. I, I have had a mini revelation. Oh. When you look at the release the release dates for these movies, uh-huh. they are pretty much with, within a year of each other. Two of them are in the same year. So maybe yes. he realized that if he just doesn't give anyone a time, time to reflect <laughs> and reel and recover and grieve yeah. from these movies, then... He can keep everyone on the back foot, and nobody really knows. Nobody really knows mm. until it's twenty years later, and he's earning <laughs> twenty-five million for every every movie. Yeah. All right. Let's quickly round off this one, and then we can have a bit of a discussion about Sandler as a human being. So. Yeah. So, uh, final time, the laughs. I, I had none, zero. I didn't laugh. Yeah. One for me. Okay. I laughed a couple of times. Okay. The bile. God, it should be stronger. I feel bad that I've been desensitized. I, I should be more worked up about this. Tell you what, play it safe, five. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. I'll go I'll go for two. Just to... <laughs> Seven's pretty good. Seven, seven out of ten. Okay. Uh, finally, how Sandler is this, Paul? Yeah, this is Sandler. I mean, like I said, yeah. we watched it when in RE class when I was a kid, so I guess I kind of yeah. had it in mind. Oh, we didn't really discuss Sandler's performance in this. It's a different brand of annoying. His sort of raspy voice rather than his high-pitched yeah. light voice. Plus, the Prince of Darkness should have sort of a distinguished look to him, and let's face facts, I'm no George Clooney. <laughs> he himself is fairly bland, and he's not really given any character moments as such to really develop as a person. He's not the worst. No, which is nice, you know. So Sandler, Sandlerness. Oh, Sandlerness. Uh, yeah, four. Yeah, I'd say four. Billy yeah. Billy Madison hits the hits the five, and I think uh, nothing can yeah. quite match that until we get to Jack and Jill and Grown Ups too. <laughs> yeah, but a round four for Shittle Nikki. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone. Uh, <laughs> it's the best I could do. <laughs> Pixels was the last big blockbuster of Sandler's career. Since then, it's all been Netflix movies of varying levels of success. As far as the cinema goes, he might be done. He might not come back because working with the studios was pretty stressful for him and not a good vehicle for him if there is such a thing. Mm. The question is, is that a shame? Do you buy into Sandler's narrative that, you know, the Sandler narrative, but in real life, that he is a guy with potential, with skill, who has squandered it by being lazy. Or is it just the case that he was never that good? Where he really has skill Mm. is under the direction of others. Yes. With a script not of his own making. Or Tim Herlihy's. Or or Tim Herlihy's. They're one and the same. (laughs) If one commits a crime, I'm taking them both down. (laughs) But under good direction, good script, and in dramatic roles, because Mm. 
I think the least infuriating one that we've had on OGT, I think, was Spanglish. Yeah. And he was like, he was half that way. Um, Punch Drunk Love, I know you, you still haven't seen it. Yeah. But Paul Thomas Anderson gets a great performance out of him. It's really good. And uh, yesterday, I actually ended up seeing the Meyerowitz, Meyerowitz yeah. story. Um, yeah. Because, you know, far be it for me to be happy with just five Adam Sandler films in a week. Yeah. And he was excellent in it. Mm. He was genuinely great. So it showed it, he's, he's got the ability. And there was a kind of, tr- there's a tragic comedy in everything he did in this, in, in Meyerowitz stories. Yeah. That's the best. Kind, kind of like, you know, my favorite Ben Stiller performance is the Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah. Because there's, there's tragedy in comedy, you know, and comedy in tragedy. And there's, and he is capable of doing that. He's got that when it comes to actually creating the thing himself. Maybe he just doesn't have the motivation to do it properly. He doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. Or he just doesn't, he doesn't have the ability to sort of render any sort of vision of his own. Because I also, I haven't yeah. seen May of It's Stories and I also haven't seen Punch Drunk Love and I haven't seen Funny People, which is the other one people often Oh, loud. of course. Yeah. Which I also, I also love. I also mm. think is brilliant. Yeah. So maybe he's a good performer when he's playing, because he always seems to be playing something similar to himself. He's never gone way out there and playing someone just completely different well. Yeah. And when he's being directed by a great director, because all three of these films are very good directors. But um, mm. I, I personally, I don't feel he has much... So far from what I've seen, he doesn't have that much talent. Not as a filmmaker and not as a comedian for me. I went back and watched some of his SNL stuff, the Hanukkah song and um, mm. you know the uh, various other things, the dinner lady thing. I, I don't get it. It's not clever. Mm. It's it's just it's it's not particularly subversive to me. Maybe it was very time specific. Consequently, I've just never really cared for or related to him in a performance. And I think he got the career that he wanted and the career that he deserved. And I'm just a little sad that I guess I'm just a little sad that it was so successful for so long. But mm. there's an extra little post epiphany here. And it comes from I think it was the wedding singer. You'll have to help me with this. They're talking about happy days. And they're talking about how no one wants to see a 50-year-old Henry Winkler try and pick up chicks. Yeah, that's the one. And I think similarly, no one wants to see a 50-year-old Adam Sandler gurn and do a silly voice. Even the people who used to like it. it, Mm. The immaturity kind of gets sadder as it goes. And you have people like Rick Mayle who kept it going. But there was always a tragedy to the immaturity mm. of Rick Mayo, which just got more profound and, you know, funnier as he went on. If this experiment mm. has proven anything to me, is that his act hasn't changed. The context has, and maybe, just maybe, the audience has too. And if all he can do now is prop up Netflix so they can go on producing... <laughs> films like Annihilation. You know, or, yeah, films like Annihilation, then fine. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Shall we quickfire? Sure. I liked every Steve Buscemi appearance. Yeah, I really liked his appearance at the end of Billy Madison, where he shows up to shoot the guy in the ass and then just gives yeah. a big smile to the camera. And and his his entrance to, to that movie as well, Billy Madison calls him up to apologize for being a dick to him in high school. Yeah. And he's like, oh, cool. Thanks, man. Thanks. I appreciate mm. that. And he hangs up the phone, leans over to a list of people to kill, crosses yes. out Billy Madison's name, puts on lipstick and lies back as like... As like psychedelic rock starts playing. It was the the best bit of that movie by far. Okay. I okay. like the sort of bio sound and aesthetic at the beginning of Waterboy. Yeah. It, it really
really reminded me of Hard Target. Just okay. a little, just a little bit of Creole in there to um make me wish I had to- uh, Jean Claude Van Damme in a fucking mullet, slowly motorcycling through an explosion. But no, it had to be if an Adam somebody, Sandler film. If only someone would have had a bottomless cartridge. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and say I think Alan Covert is a versatile actor. Well, I don't he know actually, he, which one that is. So. <laughs> so he was uh, Otto in Happy Gilmore, the ho- the homeless guy. In The Wedding okay. Singer, he was Sammy, the womanizing friend. Okay. In Little Nicky, he was possibly gay actor. Oh he yeah. But of ev- the butt of everyone's jokes in, yep. in Little Nicky, and he's varied. I never, I never really noticed. Yeah, it's definitely varied. It and, is. Um, despite the fact that you know the characters are always pretty shallow and the films are always yeah. pretty shit, he's he's always given pretty decent performances i think yeah absolutely i do like carl weathers and happy gilmore he lends a sort of yeah authority the, the mentor figures that he has the sort of henry winklers and the carl weathers and you know etc yeah. they're almost always um all the billy idols they're almost always quite mm. fun to have around yeah did you appreciate his return in little nicky oh yes that was fun <laughs> sure why the fuck not why the fuck not uh, speaking of that as well, I really enjoyed Reese Witherspoon in Little Nicky. Yeah, she was great. Just, just nice to see her <laughs> after everything. I like Reese Witherspoon. Uh, speaking of Little Nicky, they used the song uh, Bohemian Like You by uh, the Dandy Warhols. Yes. Which I really liked. Cool. None of them are pedophiles, right? Mm, time will tell. Shit. You always have to check. My one would be the principal of the testing school. Um, mm. He gives a pretty interesting performance in Billy Madison, uh, the, the oh, school yeah, yeah. that's actually conducting the test. Um, and of course, there's his legendary response to um, Billy Madison's answer to one of the questions. Mr. Madison, what you've just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Yes. Uh, which is great, but I, I, it's then sort of, you know, underscored by um, Adam Sandler at the end saying, well, a simple no would have been fine. And it's like, yeah. no, it wouldn't. <laughs> this movie yeah, fucking no, needed no. that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like I feel like Sandler needed that. <laughs> maybe, maybe it I was ad libs. The world needed that. <laughs> Thank God the camera was on him. It's like Woody Allen sneezing into the cocaine. It's that all over again. <laughs> what is this? Is it is it comedy? And Tim Hurley, he's there, and he's just like, what is this? What's happening to me? <laughs> no one's getting hurt. What's happening? Quick, Adam, say something. <laughs> Kick someone. Hit a child as hard as you um, can. I really like the, the, all the stunt work in The Waterboy. I thought there was a lot of really good sports tackles. <laughs> Oh, it was interesting to note that Dennis Duggan used to do interesting things with his camera at one stage. With like when cock. a ball gets hit <laughs> with his cock. He used to do very interesting things. He used to um, paint his balls brown and um, paint pretend the cock his- yellow to make it look like a like a cheeseburger. Paint them brown to pretend his willy was having a poo. <laughs> very look, clever, Look at man. this. <laughs> Everybody, if you'll observe my <laughs> testicles. <laughs> I think you'll oh. find that it appears that my lengthy python is doing a bit of a poo. <laughs> oh, cut. <laughs> okay, Carmen Philpy, the old man in the bar, uh, also played the reverend in Halloween 4, Paul. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yep. Um, I'm on board. 
There's a bit where Alan Covert says, I just want somebody to hold me and tell me that everything's going to be all right. And then yeah. screen screen left, he comes in slowly and awkwardly hugs him and goes, everything's going to be all right. And Covert uh, doesn't shrug away from it, which is quite cool. Yeah, he, he accepts well, the hug. Yeah. I like the song he sang on the plane. Yeah. Because a recurring element has been the idea that it's the little things that matter. Yeah. And the song, for the most part, focuses on those little things that he would do for her. I'll get you when your tummy aches Build you a fire if the furnace breaks So it could be so nice Growing old with you And that's cute. I also like his um his Cure-inspired song. Yeah. <laughs> Mostly because of the... um There were some really good sort of com- comedic facial expressions and uh, some good sw- like switching of mood. It subverted what I... My expectations. Left me here all alone. Tears running constantly. Oh, somebody kill me, please! Somebody kill me, please! Ah! Um, I like Derek from The Waterboy, the friend that he makes on the team. Uh, and when they first. Angelo from The Wire. Oh, fuck me, so it is. Yeah. Oh, well, maybe that's Derek it. Boy. He's got a great smile. <laughs> Um, but a lovely line early on when, um, oh, Adam Sandler says something like, my grandmother says that, um, or my mama yeah. says that, and he says something, he looks at him like skeptical, and then it breaks, and he's like, oh, my mama says that too. Like, Aw. <laughs> yeah. Aw. Oh, D'Angelo. Do you die? Probably. <laughs> you probably die. He's probably shot in the back of the head at point blank range. <laughs> By a child with a cocaine <laughs> habit. It was a great show. Rock and Roll by Gary Glitter was in Happy Gilmore. That was great. <laughs> Remember that good time? Not really a good thing. More like more more like the one pedophile thing. <laughs> I'm not letting you introduce that as- aspect to our show. <laughs> Stop asking. Look, nobody else has it. <laughs> Think of the niche. We'll finally be able to beat <laughs> Nigel Farage's podcast. They'll come for the pedophiles. <laughs> Stay for the pedophiles. <laughs> uh, Reese Ifans did look fabulous in um, did look Little Nicky. I mean, fucking hell, that costume and his hair and. That is yeah. a handsome man. Reese Ethan's handsome man. Agreed. Yeah. And he had a bit of a Rick Mail thing going on, but in a handsome way. <laughs> <laughs> Which Rick Mail did actually have. He just spent his entire career... <laughs> hiding perform- it. Yeah, hiding it behind horrific expressions that he had. It's like the old Chinese man from The Prestige. He lived the lie. He was always out in public <laughs> yeah. gurning. So only when he got home, he sort of, you know, cricked his neck and turned back into the suave motherfucker he actually was. Chris Farley scowling so hard that his face went red on the bus was really good, I thought. Oh, I really like the cheerleaders from the Waterboy, who are these sort of really fucking haggard, smoking, drinking. Like, every time it cuts over to them, it's like a scene from Casablanca or something. <laughs> like, Rick's yeah. fucking bar. And I really like that as a gag, but it works better as a, just a random cutaway or something in the mm. background. They focus on yeah. it just a little too often for my liking, but I really like the idea that the cheerleaders have just gone feral. Due yeah. to lack of enthusiasm. Now look, in Happy Gilmore, there's uh, a there's a bit at the beginning, and they keep showing him using things as a cock. And there was an escalation. Oh yeah. And finally, he uses a broom, and it was such a stupid joke, but it was a really good repetition, and it was just timed just so that it did actually make me laugh. I feel better. It's okay. I accept you like this, <laughs> but I am gonna need you to try and change. No. But I totally accept you. <laughs> but but not like this. What's his name? Fucking Happy Days. He comes for dinner. 
Yeah. Not Roseanne. What's her name? Misery. She's yeah. um she's Fucking serving misery. up she's serving up snake. Uh, yeah. Dolores Claiborne is serving up snake. There's an obscure pull for you. You me. <laughs> it's the better Stephen King adaptation. Um, oh, I ain't fucking there. Okay. Uh. <laughs> I'm not even awake. Um, <laughs> oh, he asks, "What part of the snake is this?" Um, I think it's him. It might have been the girlfriend. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, it's him. Uh, and um, the 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 mother says, um, "Snakes don't really have parts as such, but I yeah. guess this would be the knee." I think she says knee yeah. or ankle. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. The lines. Son of a bitch, Paul. Why didn't you just go home? That's your home. Are you too good for your home? Really did make me laugh. Uh, when he is read the note, the message that his his girlfriend isn't showing up for the wedding, the string section, which is playing something, I can't remember what it is, mm. suddenly go really dissonant. <laughs> oh, it's Journey. Don't stop believing. Yeah, don't stop believing. Of course. Brilliant. Um, Sopranos tune. <laughs> Deep pull for some people. Uh. <laughs> Stop deep pulling. Never. The infrastructure can't withstand it. <laughs> One more obscure cultural reference and the whole <laughs> podcast is going to crumble. <laughs> it's going to crumble like the towers of the temple that Hercules pushed. Oh, you just did one. No, nothing happened uh, there because I'm pretty sure it wasn't Hercules who did that. But um, it was Samsung, okay. in fact. No! Ah! Ah! <laughs> oh, implodes in a sandler way. <laughs> My podcast was made of shit. The strings go dissonant. And the camera sort of... I think there might even be a dolly zoom. No, it's a slight pan. That's it. There's a slight pan. Okay. Yeah, and it, it moved the world for me, literally, because it panned. Oh, I think um, setting the wedding singer in the 80s lent it a sort of validity, I think. Like a time and a place. <sighs> yeah, I did was, wonder... It was semi-evoked. <laughs> I did wonder how much of the niceness of his character came from his 80s haircut. <laughs> mm, like Samson, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Oh, I, I think I figured out that I like golf because of all of this. Like when during the Happy Madison, when oh. whenever it cuts back to them and it's like, oh, good, they're going to play golf again. I get to watch like <laughs> nice, nice scenes of them outdoors, oh. you know, in a big green with lots of woods and water features. Mm, are you just comparing this to an Adam Sandler performance, though? Because that's Probably. not liking golf. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only way in which I like things. My life is made up of things I would rather do than watch Adam Sandler do anything. Paul, I think I like punching my penis back into my body. Huh. I'll endorse you for that on LinkedIn. He's <laughs> <laughs> great at it. <laughs> oh. Okay, I'm going to invite this guy to interview. I don't think he's right for this, but I've got to see this. <laughs> you just, you just got to get the interview. That's the thing. <laughs> when you get in there, that's when you fucking wow. That's when you fucking shine, <laughs> Samson. <laughs> I, um, Jonathan Luffran in The Waterboy, his cross-eyed, horrible jock bastards. Mm. Um, yeah. His horrible monotone laughter was quite funny, I thought. <laughs> cool. Okay, we didn't really talk about this in Wedding Singer. I had really mixed feelings about the way in which the film treated the character of George, the transvestite character. Yes. I was a little worried that maybe we were being encouraged to laugh at her expense, but reg- uh, regardless of that, I'm not sure if she wants to be identified as a she or a he. I'll, I'll call her she for now. Um, until she calls in. Well, he actually died. And corrects us. He, he died a man, the guy who played him. Oh, really? Alexis Arquette. Okay. Yeah. In any case, um, he, she had a really cool uh, singing voice. I really yeah. like his or her performance of the Boy George song. Yeah. Gatorade. What was that from? That's the water boy. Oh, okay. When he's, when he's manipulating Bobby Boucher and he starts seeing Henry mm. Winkler's face on all these people. Jeer- taunting oh, him. that's right. 
Yeah. That's right, I remember now. Yeah. Yes, yeah, sometimes that was really creepy. Like, um, <laughs> the fucking baby head thing that Henry yeah. Winkler starts imagining, that was terrifying. Mm-hmm. Also on the water boy, I, I did really like the line that he has of, Coach, not only will I do it for you, I, 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 yes, yes, I'll do it for you. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Um, there's a good, um, the cake feeding scene in the, in the wedding singer made me laugh twice. For, um, they're passing wedding cake to each other to try and they're popping it in each other's mouth and then Alan Covert goes to feed Adam Sandler and he recoils and takes it himself and then he turns around and then there's that horrendous looking woman out of nowhere and um, yeah that was that made me laugh twice and then Julia, mm. Julia Guglia when she's breaking down in front of the mirror trying to introduce herself with her husband's with her new husband's surname it was a really good bit right. of, really good performance from Drew Barrymore there, I thought. It was, and it led into a moment I liked where she starts thinking about Adam Sandler and he sees her through the window and assumes that she's actually thinking about her husband. Yes. And is happy for that reason. And it had a sort of poignancy of him seeing her happy and not realizing it's because that she's thinking of him. Yeah. And it reminded me of the greatest love story of all time, The Terminator. <laughs> All right, the final good thing that we have here is that almost regularly, the success of the drama of the film depended upon the production being able to cast someone less likable than Adam Sandler. And as a result, they depended upon these astonishing actors. How many can we identify here? You've got very absolutely Bradley Whitford from Mm -hmm. uh, Billy Madison, who is brilliant from his first scene, his smile. Well, maybe if you told me there were delicious Triscuit crackers, I could have enjoyed them with you. I'm sorry. Well, sorry doesn't put the Triscuit crackers in my stomach, now does it, Carl? He's fabulous during the the fight at the end. And my favorite moment of his, it's an actual funny visual gag. He gets a a thing out of the oven and it's caught fire Yes. and then his gloves are on fire and then it cuts away and when it cuts back he is entirely immersed in fire. Yeah. It's an excellent escalation gag. That was pretty much my um, favourite joke in the whole film. One of the two that actually made me laugh out yeah. loud. Then Happy Gilmore you've got, um, what's the name of the actor? Christopher McDonald. Christopher McDonald of um, superhero movie fame. Yeah. He's got this great face. He's really good at looking indignant as he did in um, superhero movie but my favourite moment is... Um, Adam Sandler has a uh, nightmare sequence where he imagines mm. him with his girlfriend, like leaning in yes. to kiss her. Um, and just before he goes in for the kiss, he looks at the camera and gives a, a really great sneer. Yeah. And then he leans in and it's fucking great. Yeah. I don't remember anything particularly good about the asshole from The Wedding Singer. Do you? No. I will say a good moment came out of, out of it, kind of, which is in the scene where he finally admits to Adam Sandler that he's cheating on Drew Barrymore. Yeah. I did like Adam Sandler's reaction shot. Where he's like clearly disgusted, but trying to hold it in check. That was good. Yeah, this is that downbeat stuff that I like. More downbeat. <laughs> he should have told Sandler. her he was obligated to tell her straight away about the cheating, though. That wasn't his call to make. Yeah. But you know, for love. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't remember much about the asshole in Waterboy, the other coach. No, he was he was pretty secondary to Henry Winkler, I think. Yeah, and then you've got fucking Reese Evans. Yeah, and um, little Nicky, who, as we've already discussed. Is pretty fucking fun. He's a flamboyant fucking fun <laughs> f- factory. Funner. Yeah. Great asshole selection, Adam Sandler. <laughs> How about we go over to the OGT? Let's go over to the OGT. Nice. All right. The Flicks forecast. The Flicks forecast said bringing Carl Weathers back to relevancy in Happy Gilmore. That man is a national treasure. Was yeah. he ever not relevant, guys? Carl Weathers was fucking Predator, yep. and he was, um, and he was um, Apollo Creed. 
Yes, uh, Queen <laughs> Baz at Jen Blundell said, uh, I remember really enjoying oh, yeah. Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison and Mr. Deeds as a kid. And I still like 51st Dates. Plus your Grown Ups 2 episode is utterly hilarious. <laughs> well, you know, I listened to it again just yesterday, in fact. I'm glad his legacy helped produce that. So, I mean, you can't disagree <laughs> with that. Well, no, I That's mean, that true. is clearly a masterpiece of form and function. Yeah. Baby Beard Media says he donated some money to some kids once. Yeah. Mm. Again, he does also throw foot, uh, dodgeballs at them as hard as he can. To make them cry. So, yeah. yeah. And then later does say that it doesn't really matter because I don't know who they grew up to be. A mixed bag in terms of kid treatment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mixed, 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 mixed. <laughs> Blockbusters podcast said he was actually phenomenal in the Meyerowitz stories, as in seriously good. And I agree. Mm. Mr. Busters. Okay. Well, I'll have to find out for myself. Yes, you will. The Smash List at the Smash List said, I spend so much time discussing why Happy Gilmore is better than Billy Madison. So that should be my answer. And I mean, that is true. That is true. And I I feel like it is worthy. It is a worthy thing to point out that Billy Madison is shit. (laughs) Um, And again, uh, Brody's Kitchen said, Happy Gilmore's hilarious. Uh, Hashtag yeah shooter. And there's a a lovely gif of Christopher McDonald just pow-pow-pow-powing after doing a good golf. McDonald is very good. Yeah. Matthew Whitaker said Punch Drunk Love is a beautiful film. He has so many great movies. The last 10 years or so has been hard as hell, though. Those are the exceptions because he has great direction. Yes. I really just don't know how much of a well of greatness there is within the man himself, but I haven't actually seen those movies. So mm. And you I... must. I don't know if I've said so, but you must. <laughs> <laughs> I'll add it to the list of things I absolutely must do. Excellent. One. And with any luck, <laughs> it'll fall into the much, much smaller pile of things, things that I actually will do. <laughs> Janelle at <laughs> uh, Nell Heald says, I watched Billy Madison and the Meyerowitz stories one after the other and the transition from an asinine piece of shit to a compelling, sympathetic <laughs> character was a happy shock. The man can act if he tries to. Ah. Yeah, so just like Paul can clean the toilet if he tries to. Oh. It's just like Goodman can fuck right off if he, if he tries, tries to. to. <laughs> um, Admit One Movies says, Airheads, which is still great fun. The Wedding Singer, to be honest, just about anything with Drew Barrymore. Happy Gilmore and mm. the Waterboy are okay. Yeah. Okay. It's moments like this. I feel that comedy is a bit like music. If a, if a kind of comedy just doesn't make you laugh, it can be very alienating. Yes. Very hard to explain. No, that's, didn't, that's not doing it for me. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, but I would also challenge everybody, el- everybody who has contributed to the, one, to the quickfire this week to go back and watch five films like we've just done and then come back to us. <laughs> As they were meant to be consumed. Well, he did fucking release them once a year for five <laughs> years. Two a year sometimes. <laughs> Thanks, OGT. Thanks, guys. Okay, now let's just talk about the one better thing. The one better thing. I believe that you could have a much better experience if you're going to revisit a 90s comedy star. I think you're going to be much better off with Jim Carrey. And I haven't actually done this sort of one a day for a week, so... <coughs> so maybe... <coughs> Continue, because I can just block me out. <laughs> Jesus, no! <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> Fucking hell! <laughs> I haven't actually done this, but I just imagine they hold up better. And maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe we should actually do this one day and see if they actually works out better. But if you were to pick out five from the 90s and one from a bit later, you could have, in place of Billy Madison as the sort of breakout hit, Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Mm-hmm. I think that's a better thing, probably. Yep. Um, in terms, his big breakthrough movie that was really, really big, apart after his little indie one, The Mask, mm-hmm. as opposed to Happy Gilmore. I mean, holy shit, surely. Yeah. 
his serious film that actually got people respecting his acting ability, The Truman Show, which is a fucking legitimately amazing film. Yeah. In in place of The Wedding Singer. In place of, um, what was the next one? The Waterboy is a sort of return to his usual form after his dramatic role. You've got Liar Liar. And then as a later thing, a big budget production that maybe isn't quite as highly regarded as his earlier stuff, you've got Bruce Almighty. Yeah. So... I think that lineup of five will lead to a much happier week than the one we've just had. Uh, almost without a doubt, I think you can. I think we can say that for sure, objectively. <laughs> Unless Jim carried through a dodgeball at you when you were younger. <clears throat> Sorry about that. He may have done it in the fucking Cable Guy. He really went he did a lot of stuff in, in the Cable Guy. I'm a big fan of the Cable Guy. <laughs> I am too. He actually mm. ate Matthew Broderick, and that was the one better thing. The one better thing. Okay. Thank you for listening to One Good Thing. Thanks for listening to episode 70 of One Good Thing. We will be back. Wow, everyone. Fucking wow. Yeah. 70 of this. 70. 70 hours of us. (laughs) 70 thereabouts Mm. of One Good Thing. And that's pretty good. Three days. Three whole days. No sleep. Why not have a marathon? (laughs) Tell you. Feels like that sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Kill us. Kill us. Kill us. Go on. But if you'd rather not kill us, you could always leave a review on iTunes. Um, Yay! You could subscribe on iTunes. You can subscribe on YouTube or Stitcher or Podbean. Do all the things. Just uh, just come and be our friends. We're friendly folk. Yeah. And, <laughs> and until next time, bye. <laughs> what a brilliant new sign-off you've developed. <laughs> I was working we'll on it think- for a long time. 70 episodes, in fact. What do you think? I think we're finally there, Paul. <laughs> oh. Podcast peak. Peak Podcast. I'm Peak Podcast. I'm Pod Peakcast. And remember, the one good thing about Adam Sandler is that he knows no shame or modesty, that natural ability is superior to hard work, which is for losers, the only cool weakness for a character to have is not caring enough, that he wants to be the underdog and to mock the underdog, and that the Adam Sandler movie is a product for mass consumption. Star Trek. Spark. Nothing in butt pics anymore. <laughs> the bottom's <laughs> fallen out of it. <laughs> Ofsted released it before. And, uh, <laughs> they, they said it was gay and shit. <laughs> gay and shit. They gave it both ratings. <laughs> you can't use that, those words, Ofsted. Yes, we fucking can. We're Ofsted. <laughs> Just gonna do it in fucking life. Ofsted, motherfucker. <laughs> Come with me and you'll see a tremendous amount of butt pics <laughs> Have a look Here's your dad <laughs> From 1983 You knew Marcus Borelius <laughs> Kirk Honeycutt <laughs> Kirk Honeycutt He's the inverse Kurt Vonnegut <laughs> I'm Clint Rock And I'm um, here to have sex with you today <laughs> I'm Buck Fuck Howdy fucking do. <laughs> racist uh, Billy was the only not racist one. That's my experience. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, I've just got to brace myself before you show me anything like that. Oh, oh look what I did! Yes! <laughs> oh, God. Just like five minute dance. <laughs>
sorry, so I'll try and detain my emotions. <laughs> minutes later. <laughs> I'm Paul Pye, P.I. <laughs> <laughs>